and welcome to this CTSnet podcast. My name is Joel Dunning and I'm absolutely delighted to be here with Isabel Opetz. Uh, Isabel, uh, you are the treasurer of ESTS and president-elect uh, and you're director of the Department of Thoracic Surgery in Zurich. But the thing that just blows me away is everything you do. It's incredible. You do mesothelioma, you do robotic surgery, you do transplant, you even do uh, you do pulmonary thromboendarterectomy. I just don't know how you fit it all in. But it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, and, uh, and so I'd, maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you enjoy doing in Zurich, and then we'll talk a little bit about the ESTS. Yeah, thank you, Joel. It's uh, also for me absolutely thrilling to be here and participating in this great podcast, which is indeed a cool idea from CTSnet. And um, what can I tell you about myself? That's always difficult <laughs> to talk about yourself. Um, yes, I'm since quite a while here in Zurich, but I started my training in uh, Germany at the Charité in Berlin as a general surgeon and then moved to Switzerland because of my husband and the family and um, started my thoracic training here in Zurich. And uh, I've spent quite some years now overall here all together in Zurich, but uh, I've been always been away in between. I was uh, doing a fellowship in Toronto at the Toronto General Hospital and also in Paris at marie Lanlongue Hospital, uh, both with the aim to learn the technique of pulmonary endarterectomy, which is indeed very challenging. And uh, not only for this technique, but in, in general, I benefited a lot from these fellowships. I learned amazingly uh, many things uh, abroad, not only in Toronto, but also in Paris. And here in Zurich, I have to say, I really have a terrific team. It's funny because obviously we are working together since uh, more than a decade, the senior team and myself, and uh, in this directorship post, at least for me, nothing has really changed. We're still working together as before in a great ambience and to my uh, and also very productive. So I'm really happy here with the team in Zurich and enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I mean, maybe we start with pulmonary thromboendarterectomy. That is a big operation. I mean, not many thoracic surgeons are brave enough to take that on. I mean, how is the program? How many do you do a year? And, and what do you think are the keys to success? That's a, a very relevant question indeed, because uh, when I started uh, with the idea that I want to make a program here in, in Switzerland, everybody told me you're crazy <laughs> because um, no, at this stage, patients were transferred to France from the French speaking part of Switzerland and from the German speaking part, uh, patients were transferred to Germany. So there was no site here in, Zur in Zurich offering in Switzerland offering the, the, the operation. And that's why I thought maybe for the patients here, the Swiss population would be good to open a program. It was particularly challenging because in contrast to UK and other um, European countries or around the world, cardiothoracic is not part of the program. So I really had to uh, learn the technique of cardiopulmonary bypass cannulation and as this is a procedure, even in deep hypothermia and circa rest, this was indeed a, a long time to learn this. And um, today I'm really proud that we do more than 20 cases a year, which is, I think, for Switzerland, indeed the maximum. 
And we managed, obviously not me alone, but together with a pulmonologist here in Zurich, which is Silvia Ulrich, a famous PH uh, pulmonologist. And we managed to set up a national CTEF board where we have all the centers from Switzerland, Switzerland discussing the cases once a month with us and referring them here to Zurich for uh, treatment allocation and if surgery is performed here in Zurich. Yeah, well done for setting that up. I mean, mass, massive, massive effort. So maybe we talk about your, your hobby, the ESTF. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a nice hobby, I have to say. It's also a quite intense hobby. And um, also here, I think we're a great team, the, the board of directors. Uh, there are many people I'm now working since many years together. Uh, and uh, I'm really enjoying it because we, we can drive things, move things forward. And uh, I was surprised how intense the job as a treasurer is in the end. Um, I was a bit naive, I have to say, in the beginning. <laughs> and um, I, I think we set up quite some interesting things in the past. I don't know if you remember the training village, which was implemented um, before we had the virtual meetings where um, attendees could, um, tech, could do technical stuff on site uh, during the conference. And we're planning to continue this as soon as we are having physical conferences again. But um, this is only one part, the annual meeting. So the treasurer is somehow involved in all the activities because money uh, plays always a role. And uh, we are having a great um, learning affair committee where many activities are going on, even in this uh, pandemic crisis with a lot of webinars uh, educational webinars, but also satellite web webinars organized together with industry. Yeah, I guess as treasurer, I'd be fascinated to know how do virtual meetings add up compared to in-person meetings? Because obviously the last DSDS was fully virtual. I guess uh, the Hague might be hybrid, but does it add up for societies? Is it very difficult to make ends meet? How was it? You mean in financial terms? In financial terms, I'm, I'm really happy that we uh, even made the profit. Uh, of course, it's not comparable to a physical meeting. That's uh, obvious. In particular, because we were cutting down extremely on registration fees in comparison to other societies uh, and uh, <clears throat> not cutting down on the content, I hope. Um, we had a less or a shorter meeting in the virtual format because nobody wants to stay three days in a row in front of the computer. And um, this is why uh, it was a shorter, but still quite educational event, I hope. And as you were saying, The Hague, the plan at this stage is to, to have a physical meeting, but obviously none of us knows what is going to happen uh, the next months. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. It's a great venue, so hopefully people will all get there. And uh, and and plans for this following year for the ESTS. You have your database. You have training courses. What what are you looking forward to seeing with the ESTS in this next year? And then for your presidential year, what do you want to achieve? So, um, what uh, what is planned from the um, Learning Affair Committee is we have already set up the curriculum for really interesting new webinars. Take a look at the website. Um, we have covered quite 
a broad range of topics, hopefully meeting the interest of all our members and in particular our trainee members. And um, <clears throat> in parallel to this, we're working out interesting uh, webinars together with the industry under the format of so-called satellite webinars. Uh, it, there might be something about uh, targeted treatment or immunotherapy, cannot talk too much about it yet. And um, I think this is also worthwhile to follow. Other projects, uh, obviously we are always um, uh, having new projects in our database. We have a new database director and he just uh, took on uh, with full energy his new position. And uh, the database is growing and I can only recommend here to join our forces. We have really quite an impressive collection of data in the meantime, not only for lung cancer surgery, but also subsets of satellite uh, databases about mesothelioma, about um, thymoma, we have uh, uh, sarcoma subgroup, we have um, many, many others. Please inform yourself on the website and you can see where you might wanna join. And last but not least, and this will be maybe also something I'm not finishing up in my last year as a treasurer, but also taking over in this presidential year, is that we are in the planning of setting up a clinical trial platform, uh, which will be a platform where thoracic surgeons can apply and the society with all the knowledge will support to set up clinical trials. Because I think we are now in a situation if you wanna uh, rewind time to induction chemotherapy, now we are going with all the new treatment uh, approaches for non-small cell lung cancer into the induction phase. And I really think that we as surgeons need to be on the driver's seat now for, for these trials. And uh, we are a group of people now within ESTS who want to elaborate such a platform, which will be very intense project, but I really hope that we can realize this. That's a fantastic idea. So, so yeah, what, what would be your dream trial that you'd like to see done? <laughs> I want to see some trial on N2 disease because I still don't understand what to do with people with N2, but what, what's your dream trial that you'd like to see done? Yeah, that will be eventually a dream trial, some stage 3A N2 um, immunochemotherapy trial on targeted treatment in the induction phase, I think there are plenty of options uh, which we can do. It doesn't necessarily need to be an oncological trial. Maybe it will be something very easy in the beginning, um, some surgical trial, but it, it will be something to be opened up to membership is the idea at this stage. So people can bring in their ideas and, um, and I really hope that we can support um, the people to create and design their trials. And I guess you don't even mean randomized necessarily. I guess we can have cohort trials, all sorts. Can't we? Yeah, I think at this stage, it's really open uh, for everything. And uh, we're looking forward to many suggestions. I hope that a call will go out soon. Great. Well, look out for that. That's fantastic. And, and obviously, because uh, just operating on everything that's possible to operate and running the ESTS uh, isn't enough for you. You wrote a guideline uh, recently uh, on mesothelioma and absolutely fabulous guidelines so maybe um how, how was that received and 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 how did you find writing that and uh, tell us about it give a bit of promotion yeah 
It was a joint uh, guideline together with other societies, together with the European Respiratory Society. So I was co-chairing um, this task force together with uh, Professor Arnaud Cherperel from France and many, many other people who contributed to these guidelines, which were a hell of a work. <laughs> Uh, to answer your question how it was. And um, it was also EACTS and ESTRO contributing um, to these guidelines. And you, I mean, you know the evidence and the literature for mesothelioma. We don't have uh, plenty of uh, randomized controlled trials where we could base on a systematic review on. And it was quite a challenge to formulate recommendations uh, for mesothelioma. And finally, I hope we made a manuscript or a paper that can serve as a guidance for clinicians in this particularly challenging disease. Just to collect the data, isn't it? Yeah. On the database to see, see how they that's get real life data. Yes, that's uh, that's uh, one part that could be very interesting to have a look at. Maybe you'll see that soon. <laughs> And obviously, you're a lung transplant surgeon. How, how has lung transplantation been in the era of COVID? Have you done any patients post-COVID? And uh, how's it been? So last year, um, we did about uh, something between 20 and 25 lung transplantations. I should know. I think it was 24. And that wasn't uh, less than in the previous years. Uh, so I, I have to say that we did not cut down on our lung transplant program during the pandemic. However, it's, it's, it's a challenge, uh, in particular for the capacities, I would say, because uh, we all know ICUs are um, fully booked with the COVID patients. And if you come then uh, in the middle of the night and have another transplant patient coming in, uh, this can really be a challenge. Did you end up transplanting people that got stuck on ventilators or stuck on ECMO or, or were you just doing clean patients so to speak? So we were um, extremely selective as uh, many other centers also centers with uh, far more experience than we here in Zurich uh, with uh, COVID um, uh, patients and um, the patients that we have transplanted were fibrosis patients. They were actually post-COVID, healed COVID patients with fibrosis. So I would rather deal with it as a fibrosis patient than a COVID patient. We did not do any transplant on COVID ARDS patients. Yeah, wait till they got several months down the line, I guess. Exactly, so they were really healed from COVID since several months. Great. And uh, yeah, it's uh, writing a new rule book, I suppose, isn't it? So it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to, to find um, a good uh, support for decision making in this. So what we are doing, we are we have two transplant centers here in Switzerland. One is uh, the, the Schub in Lausanne, our colleague uh, Thorsten Krüger. And what we do is really regular meetings with the transplant team from Lausanne. We sit together and discuss really from case to case in this difficult situation. And as a guidance, roughly we take um, the ISHLT uh, recommendations. Fantastic. And, uh, and just moving on to yet another thing you do, you're a robotic surgeon as well, aren't you? Um, 
uh, and and I guess it's, it is an exciting future for robotics. And so, so where, where do you see the future of robotics across Europe as with your European hat on? Do you think it's going to just become the default way we do it? There are new systems coming to the market. How do you see uh, it growing and how do you see the ESTS helping that to grow? Uh, that was many questions. So, um, I think, uh, first of all, it's um, it's a question if you if we really need surgeons who are open vets and robotic surgeons. That's a philosophical question, I think. Um, it, it has to it has a lot to do with the point you mentioned the accessibility to the systems. I think not all European thoracic surgery units have um, a robotic system at this stage. And um, we will have a different situation, I assume, in, in the next years with other systems moving on the market and uh, the availability and accessibility to robotic uh, will be much broader. What can the society do uh, for this is, I think, support the training, because at this stage, the training is uh, not in society's hand, but rather in the company's hand. And of course, supported by, by experienced surgeons, but I think the society ESTS could have a role in, in the whole teaching process, education as a robotic surgeon. Yeah, I entirely agree. Writing a curriculum, offering wet lab observerships, fellowships, things like this. Absolutely. Uh, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you we shouldn't keep you too long but uh with all these things you do everything from huge operations to little to ESTS so what do you do for fun I'm guessing there are some hills and mountains out there in Zurich do you ever actually get to see them yes so that's really indeed uh, what I'm enjoying a lot first being with the family uh, most importantly but uh, being with them in the mountains is the best combination so we spent a lot of our spare time and on the weekends in the mountains, summer and winter. And this is really um, a great balance because if you're up there on the mountains in the nature, I, I really like skiing, uh, cross country, hiking, doing all these things in the nature and outside. I really enjoy it. Well, I'd, I'd certainly support an ESTS meeting in Davos. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I will, I will do my best. Luckily, I'm then not the treasurer anymore, so I can suggest it because it's going to be very expensive. Yeah, camping yeah. would be a problem, I guess. Yeah, I would be camping rather, yes. <laughs> Great, yeah, well, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Isabel, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. I know you've already had a busy day and, uh, and, and I'm guessing it isn't the end of your day today, is it? Have you got more work now? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just a little bit. I'll go home soon and see the family. Right. All right. Well, wonderful talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you, Joe, for the opportunity. It was a pleasure talking to you. Great. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye.